you happen to be uh, new here, either in person or online, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am really, really excited to be back in this space with you guys this morning. For, for me, I've been out the last couple of weeks, so for me, this is the first time I've been in this room uh, with people teaching for about eight and a half months. So I could hardly sleep last night. Uh, man, I'm gonna have real people there on Sunday morning, people looking back at me. And um, so, man, I'm just like a little kid on, on Christmas morning, super stoked to be here with you. Uh, just, just, just in case you missed it, we are gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper at the end of our time. And so if you uh, plan to do that or would like to do that, let me just encourage you, if you didn't get one of the little um, Lord's Supper kits, you can grab one. There's two little tables in the back. You can just slip back and, and grab one of those. The other thing is we're gonna be taking up for those of you who are part of our faith family, our, uh, our SEND missions offering. And so you may have noticed an envelope like this one, either in your seat when you came in or, or, or beside you. And uh, if you don't know what this is, this is basically the one offering that we take up a year beyond just our regular giving. And this one offering goes to fund all of our partnerships and all of our mission work for the following year. So this will go to fund all of our partnerships in Asheville, uh, regionally in the United States and globally around the world in, in 2021. And uh, so if you're like, man, I didn't come prepared. I don't, have, I don't have any cash. I'm kind of broke right now. That's fine. There's this little place on here where you can check a monthly commitment for 2021. So if you're like, man, I can give 20 bucks next year a month. Um, you can go ahead and check that as well. And then as we exit at the end of the service, there's gonna be a couple of little send buckets for us to drop our commitments and uh, any offering that you may have brought for that. So thanks so much for sacrificially giving so that others around the world might also know that there's a God in heaven who loves them and sent Jesus to die for them. Um, I'm also excited this morning because we are starting a brand new message series called I Am. And so for the next seven weeks, we're going to be unpacking the seven I Am statements from Jesus in John's gospel. Now, how many of you know that it's really, really, really difficult to get to know someone or have a relationship with someone if you don't know their name, like, so, so almost impossible, right? Like you, can't, you can't really be tight with somebody if you just, every time you see me, you say, hey, you, right? Hey, you, come here, I want, want to talk with you, let's go. Hey, you, let's go grab coffee. It's almost impossible to really have a relationship with someone unless you know their, their name. Uh, I remember back in college, um, I, I, I transferred from one university to, to another kind of halfway through and, so I got to my, my new university on campus and um, I, I kept noticing this beautiful blonde-headed girl on campus. And everywhere I'd go, I'd see her across the quad, I would go into the gym and I'd see her in there and we'd go into the cafeteria and I'd see her in there and I even had a couple of classes with her and just, I thought, man, that, that girl is gonna need a husband one day and it might as well be me, you know? That, so that, that, was, that was kind of my, my, my thought. And, and I noticed that she was talking to some, some mutual friends one day and I'm like, ah, that's my end. So I went to him and I'm like, Tell, what's the deal with this, this blind girl? And oh, she grew up in Kenya and as a missionary's kid, she's on the swim team here. And her name is Cheryl, Cheryl. All right, well, I, think, I think she's gonna have my babies one day. And now, so now 17 years later, almost 17 years in, we, we have three babies together and, and we're married. And it's awesome. But I, I, Cheryl, like I had to know her name before I had any shot at all to have a relationship with her, to get to know her. Well, the same thing really is 
true of God. I, I think probably many of you know the story of, of Helen Keller. It was an incredible story. But Helen Keller uh, was, a, was a little girl who contracted a, a really bad illness as a toddler. So she was 18, 19 months old. She got this illness that caused her to be uh, blind and, and deaf for, for life. And in those days, that was, that was basically a death, a death sentence because there was no way that these types of people could communicate at all with the outside world, except for the fact that God brought along this really brilliant teacher named Ann Sullivan that crafted this amazing new way for her to communicate. And so she taught her how to spell things out in her hand and it was just this really huge breakthrough. And this didn't happen for her until age 10. So could you imagine being 10 years old and for the very first time having communication with the outside world? And so her parents thought, man, you know, we're, we're good Christians. And so we, we, we want her, we want Helen to, to know that there's a God who created her and, and loves her. And so they went, they got this, this pastor from Boston and they said, hey, we, we want you to teach our daughter that, that, there's, that there's a God who created her and loves her and ha has a plan for her. And so this pastor from Boston came in and, and began to, to share at 10 years old uh, with Helen Keller, who had never had any communication with the outside world that there's a God in heaven. And I just wanna, I wanna share with you her response the first time this pastor shared with her that there's a God. This is what she said. She said, I knew about God before you told me, only I didn't know his name. And isn't that incredible? No communication with the outside world and instinctively she knew that she was created that there was a God out there. She just didn't know how to connect with this God. She didn't know how to have a relationship with this God because she didn't know who he was or what he was like or what, it, what his name was. Knowing someone's name is key to knowing them. And the incredible truth this morning, church family, is that God has revealed his name to us so that we might know him. Like how how mind-blowing is that? That there's a God in this universe who loves us enough that he's actually revealed himself to us. That he's revealed his name to us so that we might know who he is, know his character, and be in a relationship with him. So this morning, we're gonna start out in just a moment in John's gospel. We're gonna be in chapter six. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and thumb your way over there, or open your app up or whatever it is and head for John's Gospel chapter six. But before we do that, we just need to go back just for a moment to Exodus chapter three to the very first time God revealed his name to us. Now in this story, many of you probably are familiar with this story. Um, God appears to Moses in a burning bush and he says to Moses, hey, hey listen, I, I've, I've heard the cries of your people, of my people who are in slavery back in Egypt. I've heard their prayers and I want you to go back and I want you to tell them that I've heard their prayers and that I'm going to deliver them from slavery. And Moses asked, I think, a very reasonable question. He says, well, God, if, what happens if I go back to them and I tell them this message of deliverance and they say, well, what's the name? Who is this God that sent you to deliver us? What's the name of this God that has sent you with this great message? What am I supposed to tell them, God, is, is your name? And so God answers, and this is, this is his name. This is how he reveals himself to humanity. He says, I am who I am. I am who I am. Tell them that I am sent you. And what God was saying, what he was revealing about himself when he says that my name is I am, is God is saying to these people, and he's saying to us today, I think, I have no beginning. I have no end. 
I am. I, all that exists, exists because I am. And every need that you have in life is met in me because I am. Life is about me. Happiness is found in me. All that you need or ever hoped for and dreamed of in life is found in me. I am all of those things to you. That's my name. I am who I am. In fact, the Hebrew word that's really interesting for I am, the Hebrew word for I am is haya. Can you guys say that with me? Count of three. One, two, three. Haya. That almost sounds like a karate term, doesn't it? like Daniel LaRusso and Karate Kid, or what's the new show now that's a spinoff of that? Cobra Kai, yeah, for, you, for those of you under 30, that's probably what you'll know. That's, 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 what, it, that's what it reminds me of, like, Hayah, that, that's his name, I am. In fact, the, the Hebrew word Yahweh, you might, guys might be familiar with that word for God in the Old Testament, is actually built from the Hebrew word Hayah, or I am. This is, this is God's way of telling his people, I am everything for you. I am all that you need in life. Now let's fast forward now to, to John's gospel, chapter six. We're gonna start in just a moment in verse 25 if you wanna find your place. Now understand at this point in John six, Jesus is uh, into his ministry. He's like a year and a half, two years into his earthly ministry at this point. Uh, he's performing all these incredible miracles. Uh, people are being healed, hungry people are being fed. It's amazing, crowds are starting to form. You could, you, even in our day, right? You could imagine if somebody showed up on the scene and made the claims that Jesus made and then he started performing the miracles that Jesus performed, man, there, there'd be a lot of buzz even today. And, and even more so 2000 years ago, man, word just started spreading. Hey, there's this guy, there's this prophet. He, he makes all these incredible claims about who he is, his divine nature. And then he's actually backing this stuff up by doing these miracles that we just can't explain. It's absolutely incredible. And so these huge crowds are swelling, they're following Jesus around. And there's this one instance where Jesus is teaching this, this massive crowd of people. In fact, John tells us there were 5,000 men present this one day. So Bible scholars tell us since they were only counting the man, that probably they're actually about 15, 20,000 people total had gathered on that day to hear Jesus. And so Jesus is teaching them, he's teaching them all day long. They're hanging on every word, but it's getting late in the day, right? It starts to, to get late. Maybe it's starting to get a little bit dark and uh, the folks are there. They're getting a little bit hungry, right? And so, and so again, John says 5,000 men, probably 15 to 20,000 people and the disciples come to Jesus. They're like, hey, Jesus, I don't know what we're gonna do, man, because we got 15,000 people out here and it's getting late and I don't see an Ingles or a Bojangles around here. I don't, I really, I'm not really sure what, what, what we're gonna do. And then another disciple kind of pipes up and he's like, hey man, I, I canvassed the crowd. There's one little boy. His mama packed him a little basket of Lunchables, man. He got five loaves of bread and, and two fish, but that's, that's not gonna feed 15, 20,000 people. And you kind of picture Jesus being like, do you know who I am? Bring, bring me that ba little basket full of food, right? And you guys know the story, what happens? He prays over that little basket, five loaves and two fish miraculously that food multiplies. And so his disciples start feeding this massive crowd. And so they, they feed everybody until their bellies are full. And afterwards, the 12 disciples go out and they each collect a basket full of leftover food to take home. It's known the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Although it's, again, it's probably 15, 20,000 people. So the next day, Jesus and his disciples, they, they cross the Sea of Galilee. There's this whole other incredible miracle that happens. We don't have time to read that. I would encourage you to go read John chapter six this week. It's full of great things. But they cross the, the Sea of Galilee the next day. Uh, the crowds are, are looking for him again. And I, I'm guessing they're looking for him at this point because they're, they're hungry. 
right? So they, they, Jesus fed them last night. They were like, that's amazing. We just had this incredible meal and we didn't have to pay for it. This is awesome. And so I think they woke up, right? Their bellies are, are, are empty again. They're, they're hungry. They're, they're, they want some more Chick-fil-A waffle fries, maybe a spicy chicken sandwich. They want the Lord's chicken like good Christians do. And so they, they, are, they are looking for Jesus because they they're looking for a meal ticket, really. All right, so we're gonna pick it up in verse 25 of John chapter six. John writes this. When they found him, that's, that's Jesus. They're looking for him, they find him. On the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Now we're, we're not even to the to really good part of the text, but, but I don't want you to miss this profound truth that Jesus just dropped here. See, you, you gotta understand, these people, these, these massive crowds, they wanted to be around Jesus, right? They, they wanted to be around him and they were following him around and um, they, were, they, 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 they desired to hear his teachings. But in the midst of all of that, they missed the whole point. And I, and I want you to know that that's actually possible in our day as well. Did you know that? To, to be around the word of God, to be around the people of God, to be in a church on Sunday morning or to be tuned in online Sunday morning, maybe to know a lot of Bible verses, to know a lot of things about Jesus and actually miss Jesus himself. This is, this is incredible. And, and really, I think this probably should send a bit of a cold chill up our, our spine to realize that this is actually even possible because the reality is these people wanted the benefits of Jesus without commitment to Jesus. They wanted the benefits of Jesus without the commitment to Jesus. And isn't that just as true today in America in 2020? Man, I, I'm convinced that there, there are churches all across this land that are full of people just like us this morning that want the benefits of Christianity without the Christ of Christianity. In the end, and listen, listen to me, church family, I'm telling you this because I love you. In the end, they will end up with neither. Now, this, this is why I, I think things like, you guys hear me talk about this, things like the prosperity gospel, these things are so toxic and dangerous. This whole idea of, hey, just, just name it and claim it. And hey, hey Jesus came to die. He, he came and died so that you could be you know, happy, rich, healthy, and happy. And, and th these teachings that are so popular in our culture today, man, these preachers that are so popular that you see on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all these little clips that people kind of replay, this is, this is such a dangerous, toxic teaching because what this kind of teaching does is it teaches people to love the benefits of Jesus without loving the person of Jesus. To love the miracles of Jesus without loving the person of Jesus. And I'm just telling you, church, it's a false gospel. It's a, it's a counterfeit faith. I remember somebody asked me one time years ago, really this, this kind of stuck with me. And so I figured I'd, I'd ask it to you, to you this morning. If I, if I were to tell you that, that you could go to heaven when you die, just 100% chance you can go to heaven. There's only one, one catch. There's only, the only thing in heaven is gonna be Jesus. So no, no streets of gold, no crystal sea, no mansions, no 
loved ones, your, your grandma, grandpa, parents, husband, wife that have already passed on. They're not gonna be there. Little Frodo, your favorite dog that died 13 years ago, he's not gonna be there either. All, all of it is gonna be gone. Now, now understand this. I, I believe the new heavens and the new earth are, are gonna be mind-blowingly incredible. I, I really believe, I, I think when we just, my wife and I, kid, we just left the, the beach in South Florida and it, it was amazing, right? The sunset and sunrise and it's just incredible, magnificent to see the creation of God. I think everything you can think of that is amazing about our world, just put it on steroids times a million. That's gonna be the new heavens and the new earth forever and ever and ever and ever. I think it's gonna be incredible. But just for the sake of argument, let's say none of that's there. None of that's there, just for the sake of this one particular argument, let's say it's just Jesus. Nothing else is gonna be there. So the question is this, would you still wanna go to heaven? Take away all the other stuff. It's just you and Jesus forever. Would you still wanna to go to heaven? In other words, do you, do you want Jesus for Jesus or do you want Jesus for the stuff that he can give you? And what Jesus is doing here in this text in John 6 is he's calling these people out. He's saying, listen, you only want me for what I can give you. And you've missed the whole point of why I came. I am the bread of life that satisfies in a deeper way than anything else in this life ever could. You're looking to fill your belly, but I'm offering you something that will fill your heart and your soul forever, and that's me. And so here's, here's our first kind of big idea, our first point, our first truth this morning. Number one, church family, authentic disciples follow Jesus to get Jesus. Authentic disciples follow Jesus to get Jesus. Listen, I wanna say this in a, as loving a way as I know how. Jesus, listen, Jesus didn't come to be your butler. Jesus came to be your treasure. So friend, listen, if you're, if you're here and you're kind of in it just to get the benefits of Christianity rather than the Christ of Christianity, I'm just telling you, you have been deceived. We come to Jesus to get Jesus, to get the great I am to get the bread of life that satisfies us in a way that nothing else can satisfy us. That's what Jesus is saying here. Let's pick it back up in, in verse 30 as this conversation continues. So they, the, the crowd, said to him, then what sign do you, what sign do you do? So they, they want more. They're basically saying, they have the nerve. After Jesus fed them from basically nothing last night, it's eight hours later, nine hours later, and they're like, man, what else you got, Jesus? What other tricks do you have up your sleeve? Because we're getting kind of hungry. What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? They want more, more stuff. And then he said, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now this is, can you, can you even believe this? Jesus just turned this little, little basket of food into this feast for thousands and thousands of people. And here they are the next morning, a few hours later, asking them for him for another sign. Like Jesus, give us, give us, give us more baskets of the olive garden breadsticks with the side of the blackened sea trout, Jesus. And then maybe we'll believe in you. Give us some more stuff and then maybe we'll follow you. Then maybe we'll obey you. See, at the end of the day, they're there for the product of the miracle, not for the person of the miracle. And I think at this point, I would imagine Jesus is probably a little bit upset. Jesus might be downright angry at this point. Like, I, what? guys, are you kidding me? You've been watching me perform miracle for 
for the last two years. Been doing all these things in front of you and you're coming here because you want bread that's gonna leave you hungry in two or three hours. I'm offering you bread that will fill your souls forever. Uh, earlier this year, I, I made a commitment to uh, start a new discipline this year. And so um, at least once a week, usually just once a week, every once in a while I get crazy and do it twice a week. I fast for, for 24 hours. So I don't eat anything for 24 hours. So typically what that looks like is I'll, I'll eat dinner on one night and then I won't eat again until dinner the next night. So it's a full 24 hour cycle of not eating. And I, I've actually grown fond of it. I, I, I like it. I feel like my mind is, is, is clear. I feel like I, I'm better in my prayer time. I feel like I, I'm better with, with my work and, and, and all those kinds of things. But I will tell you at the end of 24 hours, when I get home, I'm really hungry. I'm, I'm like really hungry, like almost hangry hungry. Uh, I'm in a bad mood because I want food so much. So uh, my fast day this week was Monday. And uh, so I I got home, hadn't eaten in 24 hours and and I was was starving and uh, Cheryl had had cooked this this delicious Thai meal. And and if you know me, you know, I love Thai food. Like I I don't just like Thai, I love, love Thai food. And I love Indian food. I just love all these kind of exotic cuisines. And so, so we cook those things and eat those things. And so Cheryl had made this incredible Thai dish and, and I just, I loaded up my bowl, man. And it was just full and I just, I just destroyed, I devoured that food. And I went back and I got seconds and I, and I devoured the, the second bowl. And I remember sitting down after I ate that, that giant meal, probably more than I should have ate, and thinking like, I am so full. I don't know that I can think about food for at least another 24 hours. So I, I'll probably just go ahead and fast another 24 hours. I'm so stinking full. And then would you know that two hours later, I'm sitting on the couch watching Netflix or something like that. And the first thought that came into mind a couple hours later is, man, I would love a bowl of ice cream. I would love a, a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios. I saw those in there for the kids earlier. Now I want you to know, I didn't. I didn't, I, I was disciplined. I didn't, I didn't eat anything else. But even after two hours, after I ate the biggest feast I could have ever imagined, I was already hungry again. And that's what Jesus is saying here is, listen, temporary bread only brings temporary satisfaction. And so the people are, are they're, they're not understanding what Jesus is saying here. And so they bring up Moses, which was a mistake. And they're like, well, Jesus, Moses, right? You know, you're claimed to know, you've claimed to be God. So surely you know the story of Moses, man. He, Moses fed the people in the wilderness, manna from heaven for almost 40 years, man. Uh, you're telling me all you can do is give us one meal, Jesus? You, you can't even give us two meals? Moses did it for 40 stinking years. What you got, Jesus? So Jesus is like, first of all, first of all, you, you guys need to understand something. Moses didn't give you anything. God brought the manna from heaven down and fed you. And the second thing I'm trying to tell you guys is God is trying to give you bread from heaven right now. And this is the bread that will bring life to the world. So they hear that promise from Jesus and in their minds, they're thinking he's promising to give us something that's gonna just sort of reproduce food for us all the time. We just kind of go to the vending machine and hit it and we just get food whenever we want. So they're like, sir, give us this bread always. And then Jesus looks at him and he goes, you're looking at that bread. Like kind of, kind of mic drop moment, walk off the stage. You're looking at it. I am that bread that you're wanting. Look at verse 35. It says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So Jesus goes, listen, you guys want this life-giving eternal bread. 
the kind of bread that will satisfy you forever. I'm trying to tell you, I am that bread. I am the bread of life. Those of you who are hungry in life, come to me. Feast on me and I will satisfy you. Those of you who are thirsty in life, come to me and you'll never thirst again at the soul level. I am. Whatever it is you need, that hunger that you're trying to fill with the bread of relationships or that substitute bread of the bottle or some other substance or money or sex or whatever it is, Jesus is going, you're chasing the wrong bread. You're chasing the wrong bread. And so you're gonna continue to eat and you're gonna be satisfied for like a millisecond and then you're gonna be hungry again. And you're gonna go back to that well again and again and again and you're gonna keep up ending up hungry again and again. And he's like, come to me guys. I am the bread of life. Feast on me, find life in me, find satisfaction in me. Now you gotta understand, in light of Exodus three, when Jesus uses the I am name of God and he applies that to himself, you gotta understand how difficult this would have been for people of that day, these Jewish people, to accept. It would be, it would be kinda like if, um, if I got up here this morning and I, and I said to you guys, hey guys, um, I know there's been a lot of crazy news with the election. So I know you guys have heard a lot about, you know, Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump, but, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that, that I am the rightful president of the United States. Chris Dillon, I, I, I forget, forget about Donald, forget about Joe. I am the rightful president of the United States. And I want you to follow me and we're gonna, we're, we're gonna flip this country upside down, man, and everything that's wrong in this country, we're gonna make right. We're gonna make this the most prosperous, incredible, grace-filled nation this world has ever seen. All you gotta do is follow me, believe in me. I am the president of the United States of America. Now, how would most of you react to that statement if I were, if I were being serious? Most of you'd be like, that dude's nuts. <laughs> he really believes he's the president of the United States. The guy's spent too long at the beach. He's got sun poisoning. We need to get him to the hospital, get him some, some help. Now listen, as, as insane as that statement may sound to you, multiply that by about 10,000 and that's how hard this claim from Jesus as he uses the I am name of God in Exodus chapter three and applies it to himself. It would have been incredibly difficult for his hearers to, to understand and to believe. Now, now here's the interesting thing. Jesus, I, I, I'm just guessing he saw the look on their faces like, oh no, he didn't. Just claimed to be God. Like, I don't know. I'm here for the free Chick-fil-A waffle fries, but I don't, that dude just claimed to be God. I, I don't know, I don't know that I can, can follow him. And so Jesus sees their reaction and, and listen, he doesn't, he doesn't begin to back off. He doesn't tone it down. He doesn't begin to sugarcoat it and be like, hey guys, I was just kind of kidding about that. Y'all just follow me. We'll have a good time. I'll, I'll do another miracle for y'all. No, no, he, he doubles down on that claim, right? Just in case they didn't understand it the first time, he goes back again. Look at verse, go down to verse 47. He says this, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. So that's the second time now. He's claiming that Exodus name of God, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. And so he's saying to them, and I think he's saying to us today, listen, all these other things, guys, all these other breads, 
that you're running to and eating because you think they're gonna satisfy you. You're filling your belly with all these things in life. They're ultimately going to kill you. In verse 50, he continues. He says, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am, third time, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And so here's the second big idea I think we get from Jesus' teaching right here in John chapter six. Big idea number two, Jesus is the only bread that gives life, friend. He is the only bread that gives life. He is the only source of life and satisfaction in this world. And so I'm just, I'm saying to you, beloved, because I care about you, every other bread that you're chasing right now in life, whether it's the bread of a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whether it's money, whether it's a particular job that you're after, whether it's sex, whether it's an addiction to food or alcohol or some other substance, listen, whether it's the bread of that political party that you just voted for two weeks ago, thinking that they were gonna be the saviors of our country, Jesus is saying every bread substitute that you keep running to, to fill you, will eventually fail you. And see, Jesus is connecting this idea of, of belief in him with feasting on eating the bread of life. I think we could say it this way. I think we could kind of boil it down and safely say it this way. And this is kind of the third big idea this morning. Number three, to eat is to believe. So Jesus is saying, he's inviting people to come and eat. To eat is to believe. I was reading in um, th this year, my, my quiet times, I've been reading and meditating on, on the Psalms. And so earlier this week, I was in, in Psalm 34 and King David um, had this passage. It just lines up so perfectly with John chapter six. And Psalm 34, King David says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And what King David was saying all those years, even before Jesus, is he's saying that to eat is to believe. Jesus is the bread of life, that he is the great I am. And Jesus is saying to you and he's saying to me today, listen, I, I, didn't, just come to, I didn't just come to give you bread. I came to be the bread for you. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a pathway to, to, to life or happiness or, or joy or peace for you. I'm not a pathway to those things. I am all of those things. I am happiness. I am life. I am peace, I am joy, feast on me, come to me, find life in me, I am the bread of life, taste and see that I am good. Now, it's interesting, I was reading a historical account earlier this week and in World War II, right when the war finished, the, uh, the allied forces um, were, were actually overwhelmed with um, the number of orphans that were left because of the war and they're just kind of running around the streets and many of them had lost uh, their, their whole families. And so there are just hundreds and thousands of, of orphans. And so these American soldiers and British soldiers are like, man, what, this isn't right for us just to, to leave these guys to, them, to themselves, to fend for themselves. And so they, they actually built these, these camps for, um, for these orphan kids and took really good care of them and gave them great medical care and gave them food to eat every day. But they noticed that the kids were having a really hard time uh, sleeping at night. That even though their bellies were full and they're taken care of, the kids would just cry and they, they couldn't go to sleep at night. 
oftentimes. And so they, ha- they actually had a psychologist come in and, and one of the psychologists said to the, the soldiers who were overseeing the camp, they're like, when you tuck them in at night, what, what I want you to do is to give them a, a piece of bread so they can hold while they sleep. And so they did that. They started giving all these orphan kids that had lost everything a little piece of bread to hold while they slept. And they said it was almost miraculous. Those kids started sleeping through the night like that. See, their little anxiety-filled hearts, they were, they were longing for the assurance of bread, life-sustaining bread. And Jesus is saying, I am that type of bread for you that you can cling to in the darkest of nights, in the craziest of circumstances, when it seems like you've lost everything in life, I am enough for you and you can sleep like a baby. So here's, here's the deal. If you're, if you're here and you're in the room, perhaps you're, you're with us on the live stream this morning and, and you're tuned in and you're not a follower of Jesus. Now, I, by that, I don't mean that you're, uh, you, you know, that you don't know anything about the Bible or you've nev- never been in church or something like that. I'm just saying you've, you've, you would have to admit, I, I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus. Yeah, maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you know some Bible verses. Maybe you give faithfully to the church. Maybe, maybe there are all these spiritual things around you, but you would have to admit just in the silence of your own heart when it's between you and God that no, you don't, you don't have a, a, a relationship with the God of this universe, with the living bread of life. If that's you, if you're here with us in the room or perhaps you're, you're tuned in with us, first of all, I, just, I wanna say I'm, I'm so thrilled that you're, you're here with us. I know there's a lot of things you could be doing, places you could be, and you've chosen to hang out with us for an hour, and that's, that's an honor. But here's what I need you to understand, that this, we don't have time to read the rest of the story. But right after Jesus calls himself the bread of life, I am the bread of life, you need to understand that one by one, this massive crowd of 15 to 20,000 people, they turn their backs on Jesus, and one by one they walk away. So the question I had as I kind of studied this week was like, what? A lot of these people presumably had been following Jesus for almost two years. They'd seen so many miracles. They'd seen so many things. Like why, why on earth at this point, when he claims his own divinity, would they turn and walk away from the one that they had been following, the one that they had given up almost everything to follow? Why would they turn their backs and walk away from Jesus? And I think at the end of the day, it boils down to the truth that they wanted, they wanted the product of the miracle and not the person of the miracle. At the end of the day, they wanted stuff over Jesus. They wanted junk over Jesus. And so after these thousands of people, they turned and walk away, Jesus turns back, there are only 12 guys standing there. It's just 12 disciples. And he says to them, are you guys gonna go too? I know this is hard. You, got, you guys wanna bow out as well? And Peter answers, and I, and I love, 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 love Peter's answer. You guys, you guys remember what Peter says to Jesus when he says, you guys wanna leave too? You guys wanna abandon me because things got hard? When the free Chick-fil-A dries up, you gonna, leave, you gonna leave me too? And I love Peter's answer. Peter goes, Jesus, Jesus, where would we go? Jesus, where would we go? Man? We, we, we've already given up everything to follow you. Where, 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 would we, where would we turn? Jesus, you, you have the words of eternal life. We believe that you are the bread of life. 
Jesus, we have come to believe that you are the Holy One sent from God. Jesus, where, where would we go? So if you're here this morning, I just, you're not a Christian. You realize, man, I, maybe I'm religious, but I don't have what you're talking about here. I just wanna invite you to come this morning and feast at the table of life. To believe that Jesus is who he says he is. To maybe for the first time, give your life to him and to lay down all those scraps of bread that you keep clinging to and you keep eating, thinking, man, this relationship with this person or this girlfriend or this boyfriend or this drug or this much money or this, whatever it is, these scraps of bread are gonna satisfy me and they just never, ever, ever do. So that's you. I just wanna encourage you to release those scraps of bread that you're chasing and embrace Jesus as the bread of life, his, your, your, your highest treasure in life. Now, if you're here as a follower of Jesus, so you're already, you're already a part of the family. So you've given your life to Jesus and uh, it's best you know how you love him. You have a relationship with him and you talk to him and he talks to you. And here's your, that's you. Here's your one action step for this morning. So if you've tasted the bread of life, you have the bread of life, here's the question for you. Who are you sharing your bread with? Who are you sharing your bread with? Because listen, the, the world is a hungry place. I'm telling you right now, your, your neighbors are hungry. Your friends are, are hungry. Your coworkers are hungry. Your classmates are hungry. Now I get that they don't know what they're hungry for. That's why they keep trying to fill up with all these other bread substitutes that never satisfy. But listen, Christian, you have the real thing. And so we've got to get to the place where we're willing to share our bread. Not, a, not as arrogant, know-it-all people, but as one beggar to another beggar. You say, Chris, man, I wouldn't even know where to start. I wouldn't know what to say. What if they laugh at me? What if they ask me a question like about the evil in the world and what, how, how am I even gonna have that conversation? Look, here, here's my answer. Start simple. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to tell people where you found the bread. Start simple and, and invite, invite somebody to your small group. If you're in the youth group, and, and invite them to the youth group on Wednesday night. Invite them to a worship gathering like, like this. Invite them to come with you. Take them out for lunch afterwards. If you're online, tuned in, send them the link to YouTube or our website or Facebook. Invite them to join in, watch online with you. When people in your life are struggling and they're walking through a painful season, which by the way, almost everybody is gonna come to that point in their lives. Just ask them something simple. Like, man, I, this... This may seem kind of crazy to you, but I, I actually believe in God and the power of prayer. Is it okay if I pray for you? Is it, is it okay if I just pray for you? I believe God hears my prayers. I have a relationship with him. I know him. I know that sounds crazy, but I'd love to pray for you. You Listen, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to share the bread that you found with someone else. So the question is, who can you share the bread of life with this week in some simple way? Again, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to have all the world's answers. It could be as simple as inviting them to a small group, a youth group, a worship gathering. One comment, and we'll finish with this. One commentary writer that I was uh, reading this week uh, said something early in the week and it just kind of stuck in my mind all, all week long. I'll even, we'll even put this on the screen for you. This is, what, this is what he wrote. He said, I am, so God, I am 
changes who I am. And that's a profound truth, isn't it? That I am, the God of this universe, actually changes who I am. So on the count of three, I want us to kind of finish. Let that be our anthem as we finish here. Let's say that together, okay? On the count of three, say it loud. I want you guys to beat the nine o'clock service. They were a little bit weak, all right? I think you guys can be a little stronger. So on the count of three, one, two, three. I am changes who I am. He's the bread of life, guys. No other substitute will fill your heart, your soul, and your mind like he can. You don't have the bread of life? Get some this morning. If you already got it, find somebody to share it with. Let's pray, and then we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Father, we come to you, the, the great I am of this universe, the God who has no beginning, the God who has no end. You have always been, you are the great I am the author of life and creation and the author of every good thing originates in you, God. So Father, would you help us to lay down all of our bread substitutes this morning that we're, we're chasing, all of us, God, and we would confess that in our flesh, we are so tempted to run after all these bread substitutes in our life that we think are gonna make us happy, that promise us satisfaction, and we just come up empty again and again and again, whether it's a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or some substance that satisfies for a minute, whether it's an addiction to, to food or alcohol or some other drug or pornography or whatever it is, God, all these bread substitutes that leave us hungry and desperate. So God, would you teach us to feast on the real bread, the bread of life, Jesus, the hope of the world. And God, I pray for the one here or the one that's watching online right now who hasn't yet made that commitment. They haven't surrendered their life and just said, God, I'm so tired of filling my belly with all these other false substitutes for bread and I'm hungry desperate and I'm anxious and I'm depressed and I realize now it's because I've been I've been feasting on the wrong breads so God would you help me today to give my life to the bread of life Jesus Christ to start the most dynamic life changing relationship I'll ever know Jesus you are the hope of the world for anybody that hasn't made that decision, help them to make that decision, make that commitment right now in their minds and their hearts, God. And for those of us who know you, we have tasted the bread of life, we've given our lives to you, we follow you the best way we know how, God, would you help us to find one single solitary way this week to share that bread with the hungry world around us, God? Would you give us the courage to send that email, to send that text message, to send that Facebook message? to send that invitation out for coffee or to church or to youth group, to be bold and courageous, knowing that in you, we have the only thing that ultimately matters in this life. We have the bread of life and you've called us to give it freely and to share it with others, God. We love you. We pray these things in the beautiful name, the strong name of Jesus.